Why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 1, please. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 18 through 25. And the message entitled, The Birth of Jesus, the Messiah. You know, there was a time in our nation, not too long ago, that even those declaring to be atheists or agnostics were respectful about Christianity. But those days are far gone. Um, we are living in a vile and evil day, and some of the vilest and most offensive things against Christ are done without any fear of God. Like um, Andres Serrano, who in 1987 used public tax funds provided by the government for the endowment of the arts, and he took a picture of the crucifix, immersed it in urine, and exhibited it as a piece of art showing complete disregard both for Christ and for those who believe in him. Oh, what hopeless world this would be if God the Father had not sent the Son to be born, to die, and to be risen from the dead so that you and I and many others could call on his name and have their sins forgiven. Wow. We want to look at the birth announcement of Jesus that unfolds in three movements here in verses 18 to 25. Allow me to read. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with a child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child. And bear a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. The birth announcement in the threefold movement is as follows. First, the personal devastation, verse 18 and 19. Secondly, the personal revelation, verse 20 through 21. And thirdly, the personal submission, verse 22 to 25. We begin with the personal devastation, 18 and 19. Notice in verse 18, the proclamation about the incarnation of Jesus Christ is stated. Now, the birth of Jesus was as follows. Matthew has just given the genealogy of Jesus to assure that he was the promised Messiah. The word now could be translated moreover or and. The connection is to what precedes verse 1 through 17. Matthew gave the godly line of Abraham to David as you move through those verses. Tonight we'll go through that more carefully. The line of Abraham to David is found in verse 2 to first part of six the line of david to the babylonian captivity the second part of six all the way to verse 11 and the line of david 
from the captivity of Babylon to Joseph is from verse 12 to verse 17. Now, notice Matthew revealed the birth of God as a man. The word birth is the word genesis. Does that sound familiar? It means the event of a baby entering this world through a woman. There was a beginning, but not the way we think of a beginning as it never existed, for Jesus existed for all eternity. The word begot is found for every person in the genealogy. And so on, begot, 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 from verse 2 to 16. The word begot is nowhere found for the birth of Jesus, as we'll see. Joseph was not the father of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit. The name Jesus, as you know, represents his humanity. He's a real person, just like you and I. The name means Yahweh is salvation. The name Jesus is a translation of the Hebrew name Joshua. Then there's the title Christ, Christos. It represents his deity. Both are necessary, humanity and deity. This would indicate the anointed Messiah, the Redeemer of God, who he had promised to Adam, the seed of the woman, back in Genesis 3.15. God promises he can't lie. The account of the nature of the birth is indicated, notice, by the phrase as follows. It means after this manner. Then we get the explanation about Mary's um, marital purity in verse 18, as it follows, all the rest of it. It says, after his mother Mary was betrothed, to Joseph before they came together. Mary at the present time was uh, betrothed to Joseph, as is stated here. The marriage of that day and those other marriages that existed were arranged by the heads of the family to secure protection and provision for their daughters. They were arranged by marriage. You know, you're growing up and, you know, you're five, seven, and they say, hey, listen, why don't we just engage them? Now, that's just a promise that can be dissolved as you move along, but that's the way it is. Some of those marriages are still like that in many um, Middle Eastern countries. The word betrothed means to, to woo her or espouse her in, in marriage and would be affirmed or rejected by the couple at the betrothal, which would be that one-year period. The error's passive participle indicates a historical fact at previous times in the past. It had taken place. This lasted, these trolls lasted for one year, and the woman remained in her parents' home. Yet, it was legally binding as a marriage and needed a divorce to be dissolved. That's why you could be... Um, uh, a virgin and still be divorced. Okay? We, to us, it's strange. <laughs> but we can understand if it wasn't followed through, the two can exist. Now, Mary at the present time, notice in 18, being betrothed, had not consummated the marriage sexually with Joseph. The one-year mark had to be reached for consummation of the marriage, indicated by the phrase, before they came 
together. Mary had been faithful and honorable to the betrothal. Mary at the present time was found to be pregnant though, but not by any man. Matthew records for us she was found with a child of the Holy Spirit just as God had promised again back in Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman means that a woman has the egg. She doesn't have seed. That's a woman who will produce a child without the aid of a man. The text does not say Joseph alone found out. Notice that. Without doubt, those of the family became aware of her pregnancy. As far as Joseph was concerned, and rightly so, Mary had been unfaithful and allowed another man to go into her sexually, and she became pregnant. There's nothing else that a man could think. God declared any woman not found a virgin on her wedding night played the whore well in her father's house in Deuteronomy 22:21. This is the Jewish culture. Now it's changed a lot. There's a lot of pregnancies in Israeli young girls and abortions and even in the military today. This was a devastating blow, a treacherous betrayal. The initial shock was disbelief without doubt. His life came crashing down. His high regard for her was shattered. All he had hoped was in ruins. And though anger is not mentioned here, he is human. And anger, regret, and resentment and bitterness comes after the initial shock and disappointment. Notice Mary did not tell Joseph about the visitation of the angel Gabriel. She left the entire matter in the hands of God. She's probably 14 to 16 years of age. Remarkably mature spiritually for her age. Mary was willing to experience disgrace and risk divorce as a servant of God. The Gospel of Luke helps us to fill in the details of the conversation between the angel and Mary that we are now private to hear by Matthew. Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 28 through 35 and then 39. Let me uh, give you those facts. It says, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Uh, Blessed are you among women. Not above women, but among women. That's verse 28. I'm keep reading down. But when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying and considered the matters of greeting that this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will call, be called the son of the highest. And the Lord of God will give him the throne of his father, David, the connection with David. The genealogy. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man, know a man sexually, intimately? 
And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary then went right away to visit her cousin Elizabeth, remember? Because the angel told her that Elizabeth had conceived. They're cousins. When you come to verse 19, you have the hesitation by Joseph to follow through with the marriage. He doesn't have this information I just gave you. Matthew first depicts Joseph by two things. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Joseph was the legal husband of Mary. Their marriage was binding, as we've noted. Their marriage would need an act of divorce, a writing. But then Joseph is said to be a man of character. The word just means an upright man, one who kept the law, a godly man. But Joseph had decided he would not take Mary as his wife. It says that not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. The implication is clear. Joseph was severely wounded and disappointed over the whole matter. We can examine it intellectually, but that's without blood and guts. When it happens to you, it's a whole different ballgame. We can handle anything as we examine intellectually, but we haven't experienced it. But when you're in it, it's a whole different matter. He was not willing to live with the disgrace and shame of an adulterous wife. To deny or remove that right from him or any man would be unjust. Every person has a right to decide who they will spend the rest of their life with based on the information they possess about a person. To hide that information is a willful lie and deception. This is what he felt. The second implication, notice, is that Joseph, because of his love for her, was compassionate and merciful. He did not want to make her a public example with a formal trial to shame her before all. He did not want to expose her sin publicly lest she be put to death by stoning, according to Deuteronomy 22. 23 and 24. You see, the final decision of Joseph was stated clearly here by Matthew. He was minded to put her away secretly, giving her writing of divorce privately. This was done before two or three witnesses. Remember, when Jesus is asked the question about adultery and divorce, there were two, Halal and Shemaiah. Halal was a liberal for any cause. You could divorce her before two or three witnesses give her right in a divorce. Shemaiah said only adultery. Two schools of thought. What school do you think the apostles belonged to? The disciples at that time. The liberal. Halal. <laughs> wow. 
After being a minister for 41 years, I believe the sins of deception and lies are the most destructive to people, the most damaging being sexual sins. In the mid-60s, when uh, young girls would, um, at times, lie about their pregnancy to their boyfriend, saying they were pregnant when they weren't, and the young man, being naive in the 60s, it wasn't like today, would go ahead and marry her, and then afterwards find out that she wasn't pregnant. That's not a good start for your marriage. At other times... A young woman got pregnant, but not by her boyfriend or fiancé, but some other man. And she would tell him that was his child. That still happens today. Hmm. Guys would tell girls they loved them just to conquer them. That still goes on. But the days changed a lot today. Young men returning from Nam in the mid-60s would bring back little wooden jewelry boxes. Uh, it probably cost them 40 to $50 and give them to their girlfriends or just a girl. And tragically, the immorality that began to sweep through the nation, that girl would give the only true jewel she possessed for that wooden jewelry box of 40 to $50. These things have been going on throughout the history of mankind, ladies and gentlemen. I know a doctor very well who told me one time this young girl came to him and asked him for a vial of blood so that she could deceive her husband on the honeymoon night. These are realities. And yet, we constantly want to be taught that man is good. Hmm. The interesting thing is that there are three Gentile women listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ with sordid sexual past in order to give hope to even those who have sinned in this area, whether it be male or female. Tamar committed adultery. Rahab was a harlot. And Bathsheba was seduced by David and committed adultery. Verse 3, verse 5, verse 6. Wow. The grace and the goodness of God. Hmm. The personal devastation was crushing. Absolutely crushing. Notice, secondly, in verse 20 to 21, we have the personal revelation. In verse 20, the visitation of the angel to Joseph was to relieve his crushing devastation over the pregnancy. The time the angel came to Joseph was right on time. Listen to the words. But while he thought about these things, the word but marks the sharp contrast between verse 19 and 20, to make her a public example, to put her away by divorce privately. Remember, Elizabeth was six months pregnant when Mary went to see her because she was carrying the forerunner of the Messiah. 
John the Baptist. She stayed with her for three months. Six, three, nine. So when Mary came back, she was three months pregnant. You would notice. You find this in Luke chapter 1, verse 36 and 56. The word thought means to bring to mind, resolve, or to ponder, to deliberate. The seeming horrible situation of Mary, without doubt, brought Joseph to seek God fervently. The difficult decision to be made in order to do the right thing. The error is passive again indicates the proper time God intervened. God's never been late for anything. He's right on time. The word appears two other times in the New Testament. For the scribes' evil thoughts when Jesus healed the paralytic in Matthew 9, 4. He read their hearts, their thoughts. And for Peter's vision in the rooftop at Joppa, as he reflected upon all manner of keeping thing, and God says, Tell, kill, take, kill, and eat, Peter. In Acts ten nineteen. Now the manner the angel appeared, notice that Joseph is indicated, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. The suddenness of the appearance is indicated by the word behold. At this critical time, I'm sure he went to sleep that night very anxious, very concerned, troubled. The angel is not identified for us by Matthew, simply just says an angel. Now, this is not the angel of the Lord that we find in the Old Testament, a pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ. Possibly Gabriel, because it was Gabriel who spoke to Mary, but we're not told God will continue to use angels in verse 20, 24, and chapter 2, 13, and 19. As we've seen God use angels in the Old Testament, even as we studied the minor prophets and others. Now notice the appearance was in a dream. This is while Joseph was sleeping and remained sleeping. And all of a sudden, he was very aware of God. There will be five other times God will speak through dreams in chapter 1 and 2. Visions are also used by God as we've seen with Zechariah. That is while you're awake and then you are perceiving the revelation that God is bringing forth. The message of the angel to Joseph is recorded. The angel called him by name, Joseph. That there would be no doubt as to what he would be hearing. And that it was directed to him. It wasn't just a dream like any other. The angel confirmed his line to the throne. Son of David, there in verse 20. Though he was not the biological father, he was of the line of the throne of David as well as Mary. We'll look at that more closely tonight. One's an ascension, one's a dissension. One comes through Solomon, the other one through the son Nathan, because Coniah was cursed from the throne. 
Now the angel lifted the devastating weight, crushing him. Listen to the words. Even in his sleep, I believe that a calm came over his heart. Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. (sighs) Gone. The truth set Joseph free. Truth always sets you free. Lies only ensnare you and entrap you further. The conception of the child, the second person of the Godhead, was by the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Luke confirms this in Luke one thirty-five. Now notice the visitation of the angel to Joseph was to reveal to Joseph the mission of the child in verse 21. The sex of the child was revealed to Joseph, and she shall bring forth a son. Now, they didn't have, you know, pregnancy tests to determine the sex of the child. They didn't have x-rays or anything else. God is revealing the sex of the child here. Mary had been the chosen vessel of God. Mary had uh, submitted to the will of God. The name of the son was given to Joseph, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus identifies his genuine humaniness, his humanness, being 100% man and 100% God. The name Jesus, as we've stated, is the Greek translation of the name Joshua. Joshua is a contraction of Yahweh Shua. Yahweh Shua, Joshua and Jesus all mean the same thing. Yahweh is salvation. Now notice the reason and purpose for the birth and the name was the salvation of sinners. For he will save his people from their sins. The personal pronoun he is emphatic in the Greek. He, Jesus. It's very limited. It's very narrow. Jesus is not the law. Jesus is not any other person. The spiritual mission was to save sinners. Now, do you believe you're a sinner? Or do you believe God's made a mistake? Do you believe you're a good person? Before God? You see, we must agree with God. Amos 3.3, can two walk together except they be agreed? It's a rhetorical question with only one correct answer. No. When we agree with God with what he says about sin, me, and everything else, then I agree with God. Then there's hope for me. The reference to his people, notice, is in the first sense, the Jew in priority. Jesus came to his own, his own received him not. John 1 11. He was sent to the Jews. Jesus was Jewish. Wasn't Mexican? Wasn't English? He was Jewish. The allusion is from Psalm 130, verse 8 here, the quote. The reference in the secondary sense is to the Gentiles who would become his people, the people of God also. 
because he's already mentioned four Gentile women, right? Of the sordid kind. Hmm. Women weren't mentioned in genealogy, especially those type of women. The spiritual problem is stated. Notice, sins, plural. It means to miss the mark. Sin through Adam resulted in spiritual death. Secondly, physical death. Immediately when Adam and Eve sinned, they ceased to have fellowship with God. Then the time was started. The clock began clicking on physical death. Man would die. Literally says, in dying you will die the day that you eat. When Adam ate, he began to die. He was dying, 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 dying. Then 800 years down the road, he actually really died. A baby is born. The minute they take the first breath, they begin to die. And they're dying, dying, dying. One day, 60, 70, 80, they really actually completely die. We're dying every day. But we don't freak out about it. But then the doctors out, you have cancer. <gasps> you were dying anyway. Hmm. Interesting. Sin separates us from God, for He is holy. God was fulfilling again His promises of bringing in the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior of the world. On May 24, 1738, on that evening, John Wesley reluctantly attended a meeting at Aldersgate. Someone read from Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans about 8.45 p.m. And I'm quoting his words. While he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warm. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. You see, Wesley had gone to the ministry at the advice of his father to make a lucrative living. And he came to America with the Moravian Christians from Germany. And he was freaked out under his bunk as they came across the ocean. He came to convert the savages, yet he was not converted. He wasn't born again yet <laughs> until that night. And after that, it was history for John Wesley. Incredible man. The only one that can bring peace over your mind and heart over injustices done by others in your life is Jesus. Recognizing that Jesus has forgiven you for all your sins as well as myself. Remembering Jesus does not remember your sins. You do. I do. So I can value and appreciate his love for me, his mercy, his goodness, his kindness. Hmm. Relying on the word, prayer, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit every day. Paul puts it this way to the Colossians, that therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Now, it'd be nice to do. But above all these things, put on love, agape 
which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians three, twelve through 15. The one message Satan and the worldly institutions of the world want to obstruct, remove, and silence is the gospel that proclaims that God wants to forgive sinners and transform their lives. The educators who believe in the goodness of man and his ability to solve all the problems in the world. The liberal progressives that want to destroy all objective truths of right and wrong and accept all things and beliefs that teach and benefit man, they say, but of course accept Christianity. There's always an exception, right? The politicians that merely manipulate the people and pit them against each other by race, color, and rich and poor and everything else they can. That's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first, also for the Greek, for in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith that is written, the just shall live by faith, Romans 1. 16 and 17. This is the only hope that you and I have. Everything else will try to distract you and blind you and harden you against that good news. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's going on in your life, but Jesus is the solution to your problems. The personal revelation was liberating as he heard all this in this dream. Thirdly, notice the personal submission, verse 22 through 25. In 22 and 23, the visitation of Gabriel was for the prophecy of God to be fulfilled through Mary. The prophetic commentary comes from Matthew. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, through the prophets saying. This is the key phrase in the Gospel of Matthew, the repeated phrase that it might be fulfilled appears 14 times. The phrase, it is written six times. The phrase identifies the particular prophecy coming to pass at this point. The word fulfilled literally means to make full, to fill to the top, or to render complete. This um, validates the scriptures as coming from God. He is the source. He alone knows the future, for he alone can reveal this revelation to man. The Lord is speaking through the prophet, he says. They were the mouthpiece of God. First to call back the people of God through repentance. Secondly, at times revealing future things. The primary function and office of a prophet was to call people back to repentance because the priesthood and the people had become so corrupt that many of them were not even of the priestly order as Amos, who was a fruit picker and a sheep breeder. If you remember He alone can bring to pass the specific prophecy. 
He has revealed it. He alone brings it to pass. Now notice the prophecy was twofold. Verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with the child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. The prophecy is found in the prophet Isaiah, uh, chapter 7, verse 14, 700 years before the fulfillment. That's quite a long time. That's not the only prophecy. Isaiah records in chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isaiah has so many prophecies, more prophecies about Jesus Christ than any other. Incredible. From chapter 50, 51, 52, 53, and on. The short-term prophecy here of Isaiah 7.14 was to Ahaz that Syria would not take Jerusalem. Often prophecy were short-term and long-term. The most obvious interpretation in the short-term is that the woman in the days of Ahaz, probably in the royal family, would bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, God with us, as a sign to Ahaz unbelief and lack of trust in Yahweh, that God would defend Jerusalem. And you find that in Isaiah 7, 15, and 16. The only association for the short-term fulfillment in the context is Isaiah's son. His name, if you're looking for names for a baby, Maher Shalah Hashbaz. Many times, people had two names. One was Emmanuel, the other one was the one I just gave you. The long-term prophecy was the birth of the Messiah, identifying him as Emmanuel, God with us. We read Isaiah 9, 6. Emmanuel, God with us. This is the incarnation of John in John 1, 1 and 14. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and God was the Word, and the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Wow. The final person God speaks through to all sinners, Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 3, God who at different times and in diverse manners spoken times past to the fathers, has in these last days spoken unto us through His dear Son. Period. No one else. Jesus is the final spokesman for God. The word virgin here, parthenos, means a woman that is sexually pure. The prophetic word in Hebrew is alma. It means a virgin engaged. There is another word in the Hebrew for virgin is bethula, describing a virgin not espoused or engaged. Both of these words are used for Rebecca. Bethula, before she was uh, engaged to Isaac and Alma after she was in sp- spouse or engaged to him. And you find that in Genesis 24, 
16 and 43. Very, very clear. Now remember the Hebrew scriptures were translated to the, in the Septuagint to the Greek and the word Parthenos is used to translate the word Alma. So it's confirmed. Interesting, the RSV, the Revised Standard Version, translates it young maiden because Gesenius in his lexicon makes it so because he didn't believe in miracles. He wasn't true to the definition and the context how it's used. <clears throat> Our biases are going to tweak us one way or the other if we're not careful and good students of God's word. Then notice in 24 and 25, the visitation of the angel was for the prophecy of God to be embraced by Joseph. The man Joseph woke up a different man. Look at verse 24. The implication is that he woke up with joy and peace in his heart. Implication is not stated. But having known what we read in the turmoil, it says, then Joseph being aroused from his sleep. Joseph no longer had any doubt about the loyalty and purity of Mary to him. Joseph no longer was ashamed of Mary. The evidence is stated, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. His obedience was in spite of all the suspicions, rumors, and accusations that would follow the two all the days of their life. Because you know how we are. We're good for nothing. Hmm. His commitment to Mary was fulfilled. He took her as his wife and they had the wedding ceremony. Then 25 the man Joseph understood the sanctity and holiness of the child in the womb of Mary. Joseph did not consummate the marriage sexually at their honeymoon. And the remainder of the pregnancy. Wow. It says, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn Son. The phrase firstborn implies Mary had other children. The dogma of the Catholic Church that Mary was a perpetual virgin is a lie. We have the names of her other children, which were half brothers to Jesus in Matthew thirteen fifty five and fifty six, Mark three thirty one, just to mention a few, and calls them brothers and sisters. They're not cousins, as the Catholic Church says, but brothers and sisters. In 1854, Pope Pius IX declared the immaculate conception that Mary had no sin. Have you read the, the, the Magnificent of Mary in Luke? She calls Jesus her Lord and Savior. She recognized her need of repentance from sin and salvation herself. So do I believe religious dogma, the teachings of men, or do I believe the scriptures? I go with the scriptures myself. 
They're the ultimate authority and standard for truth. Then ultimately, Joseph did give the name to Jesus, as was stated. And he called his name Jesus. Wow. Irenaeus, a second century church father, uh, gave his in-depth analysis why God was in Christ. Listen carefully. I'm quoting. Irenaeus describes the work of Christ under various aspects. The premise is always the reality of the divinity and humanity of the Savior. Only upon this basis could he furnish certain deliverance and deliver the particular race of man. Christ therefore became man in order to recapitulate the whole human race in himself. He embraces in himself the entire human race and all human life. When he became incarnate and was made man, he recapitulated in himself the long line of men standing surety in compendium for our salvation. So that what we lost in Adam our being in the image and likeness of God, this we might receive in Christ Jesus. So you stand in the first Adam as a sinner, fallen and separate from God, or the last Adam, Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-five, because you've repented of your sins and he has forgiven you and made a new creature of your core in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. You stand in one of two this morning, ladies and gentlemen, and those of you who are looking over the internet. There is no other place you can be. What do you believe about the scriptures? Do you believe that they're just a book like any other book? The Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, powerful for instruction, correction, instruction, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work in 1 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Literally expired from God. These are not the words of men. In fact, 2 Peter 1, 19 to 21, assures us that what is recorded on paper is inerrant and infallible. The men of old did not speak of their own impulse or origin, but they were carried along by the Spirit of God so that you can be assured that you have the inerrant and infallible Word of God preserved for you. Wow. What is your assessment of Jesus Christ? Is he just a prophet? Is he just a good man? Is he just a very good teacher? That's not good enough. The Bible says he is God who became man. Spent nine months in the woman's womb. He depended on the Father for everything. He was tested in every way as you are, yet without sin. And when he said on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Two verses down in Psalm 22, it tells us because you are holy. He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And he died in my place. He made the payment for my sins. My debt has been paid. If I will call upon him and acknowledge that, I will receive the credit of that. If I do not believe it, it does not apply to me. I forfeit that payment by unbelief. Wow. 
being in the form of God, he didn't think it'd be equal with God, robbery. But he made himself of no reputation and he emptied himself, not of his deity, but his glory, even to the point of death. For that reason, a name has been given to him above every other name, the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians 2, 5 on down to 11. Man. In him you are complete. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Listen to Jesus. This is a very clear, short statement, but it will affect your eternity. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. There's no bargaining. There's no other option. If you're against me, it's by rejection. If you're for me, it's by submission and repentance. One of two choices. That will determine where you spend eternities, ladies and gentlemen. Not your religious belief. Not the goodness that you think you possess. But your whole entire trust in the atoning work of Jesus Christ, the God-man, who came to save you as he died for your sin and rose from the dead. Wow. The personal submission was obedience. Obeying. What a text. This is the announcement of the birth of Jesus as it has unfolded in this threefold movement. The personal devastation was crushing. The personal revelation was liberating. The personal submission was obeying. That's it. Father, thank you for your grace, your love, and your goodness. We love you. We pray that you would just deal with our hearts. And Lord, I pray for every person that's here and those who are over the internet. Lord, you would just deal with their hearts that they don't know you, that they would call on your name. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved. Maybe you're over the internet. If you believe what has been proclaimed to you right now, who Jesus is, what he did, then you can call upon him and be saved. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans ten seventeen says, if you believe you're a sinner and agree with God, this is your prayer repentance right where you sit. He's going to forgive you, give you eternal life, and make you his child by grace through faith. That not of yourself is a gift of God. This is your prayer. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.